Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 8 of Revelation chapter 15. We're going to begin by looking at verse 4, which says, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. In our last study, we were discussing the word judgments, which is Strong's number 1345, and really better translated as righteousnesses or justifications. And um, this is related to God's salvation plan. His salvation of all his elect is made manifest in the time of the world's judgment. And that's why it is making this statement in this context. Now, we didn't uh, mention this, and I want to just cover this before we go on to the next verse, where it says, For all nations shall come and worship before thee. This is referring to the people of God, all those that God saved, as it says in Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four living creatures and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. There's a glorious representation, a glorious picture of the kingdom of heaven and all those now a part of God's kingdom, including the great multitude that would come out of great tribulation that are from all nations worshiping God. Well, someone might say, yes, that's of all nations, but in Revelation 15:4, it just says, for all nations shall come and worship before thee. And that's a different statement. Well, let's look at another verse in Revelation 21. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 22, where it says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now here, twice God references the nations, especially in verse 24, the nations of them which are saved. That's the definition 
of nations in Revelation 15.4. And uh, we always have to look for the Bible to define its own terms. Remember, when when God says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, and that means salvation. And, and there's people even today that point to that verse and say, well, you see, God's will, his desire is that all people be saved. He's not willing that any people perish, but that all people come to repentance. And, and they come up with a, um, erroneous conclusion because they're not being careful and searching the Bible to see what limits the Bible sets on the word all. And once we do, we realize that uh, when God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, he's speaking of all of the elect, of all those chosen from before the foundation of the world. Each person whose name was recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Likewise, for all nations, that is, the nations of those that are saved, as it's put in Revelation twenty-one twenty-four, and the nations of them which are saved. That's the nations that are in view in this verse. And, and therefore, it is a statement indicating God's elect will come and worship before him, just as that great multitude is doing that we read earlier in Revelation chapter 7. All right, let's now move on to the next verse, verse 5. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And then in verse 6, And the seven angels, or messengers, came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Now, suddenly, the scene changes once again, and the focus returns upon the seven messengers. Now, why is God doing this? Why did he begin Revelation 15 with looking at these seven messengers who were carrying the seven last plagues in which the wrath of God was filled up? And then suddenly change the the imagery to those that had gotten the victory over the beast standing upon the sea of glass. And now, after discussing that group that had gotten the victory over the beast for a few verses, he suddenly switches back to the seven angels once again. And how can we understand this? Well... There's a simple explanation for why God is doing this, and that is he wants us to know. He wants us to understand the seven messengers are those that had gotten the victory over the beast and so forth, standing on the sea of glass, his elect people. And, and, and once we understand that, that the seven messengers are his elect people, that those that got the victory over the beast 
and came out of the Great Tribulation are his elect people. Then, when he switches back to discuss the seven messengers once again, has he really changed the focus? No. It's continuing to be focused upon his elect people and the task that he has assigned to them in the day of judgment. And and that's why really this chapter flows it it uh from verse 1 through the end of the chapter the central focus is upon the people of God in the day of judgment. Now remember in the previous chapter Revelation 14 the focus primarily was upon the Lord Jesus Christ who was coming out of the temple. Remember it said in um verse 15 of Revelation chapter 14. And another angel and messenger who would be Christ came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on a cloud thrust in thy sickle. And then in uh, verse 18 and another angel came out from the altar and also made a similar cry to thrust in the sickle. And in verse 17 another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And you see the focus there on the angel or messenger coming out of the temple is Christ and and the judgment that the Lord Jesus Christ is bringing upon the unsaved inhabitants of the world as he comes forth from the temple. But now it is seven messengers that come out of the temple. And so the focus, the emphasis that Revelation 15 is giving is on those that judge the world with Christ. Chapter 14 primarily was Christ, God, judging the unsaved. And chapter 15 is, um, is sort of like a sidecar it, it it's uh, filling in additional information that the Bible tells us that Christ comes with ten thousands of his saints to judge the world. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, Know ye not that the saints will judge the world? And, and, and so um, in chapter 15, here is the focus, here is a, a consistent view upon the saints of God as they are first given the task with uh, the seven vials full of the wrath of God that God gives them the vials and then he's going to send them forth to pour out the vials in chapter 16 upon the people of the earth. Well, let's go back to verse 5 again which says, and after that I looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And if you're like me when you read uh, a long uh, statement, a declaration like that by God, you, you, you don't catch it as it's said. You have to uh, slowly take a look at each part in order to understand what God is saying, he's speaking of a temple, which is of the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is of 
the testimony in heaven. And this temple was open, and then the seven messengers come out of the temple. Well, let's look at the various aspects of this statement in verse 5. Now, first, why don't we go to Hebrews chapter 9. In Hebrews 9, we're going to read the first several verses of Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 1, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Now, let's stop a second, because verse 2 said there was a tabernacle, the first, wherein was the candlestick and table and showbread. And that's the, called the sanctuary. And then in verse 3, he said, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of, of all. So that's a second tabernacle. And we understand that tabernacle to be the holy of holies. And, and so there were two tabernacles. All right. One inside the other. But let's keep reading in verse four, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God, but into the second that, that would be the second tabernacle, where the Holy of Holies was. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So there God repeats it. The, the priests commonly went into the first tabernacle, but the second was reserved for the, um, the high priest and, and the atonement which was offered once a year. Now, um, why don't we turn back to the Old Testament, book of Exodus, and, and we'll, um, we'll read more about the tabernacle in Exodus 32, verse 15. It says, And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And, uh, of course, that's referring to the Ten Commandments. They are the two tables of the testimony. Now, if we go back a little bit in the book of Exodus to Exodus 26, it says... In verses 33 and 34, And thou shalt hang up the veil under the tashes, that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark 
of the testimony, and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. So the ark is where the Ten Commandments were put. And then the ark of the testimony, because the Ten Commandments are called the two tables of testimony. The ark of the testimony was put inside the most holy place. And remember Hebrews 9 told us that was the second tabernacle. So the ark was was uh, of the testimony was placed in the tabernacle which was inside the holy of holies. In Exodus chapter 40 it says in verse 20 and 21 and he took and put the testimony into the ark and set the staves on the ark and put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the covering and covered the ark of the testimony as Jehovah commanded Moses. There's a, a really um, a descriptive account of exactly what we're reading in Revelation 15. The testimony or the Ten Commandments was put in the ark and and then they put the ark containing the testimony, therefore the ark of the testimony, into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, into the second tabernacle. And and so, as we read again, let me go back to Revelation 15, and we'll see, I think, how this relates to verse 5. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. Now, it doesn't say ark, but but uh, that's what's in view. It's the ark of the testimony. It's the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Now, there's a similar statement found back in Revelation 11. And uh, let me read Verse 15, so we see that this also is Judgment Day. Uh, that, that's the time that this has taken place. It says in Revelation 11:15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then verse 18 and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was open in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail now here we have a little bit more um information it it says it's the ark of his testament and it's seen in the temple of god when uh, let me read the beginning of verse 19 again the temple of god was opened in heaven 
and then was seen the ark uh, of his testament in his temple. And that is the same picture that we're getting here, very similar at least, in Revelation 15.5, that the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. And, and so this would be the temple of the Ark of the Testimony inside the Holy of Holies. And of course the, the Ark which contained the Ten Commandments. And what were the Ten Commandments? Why were the Ten Commandments so special that, uh, yes, they were written with the finger of God, but all the Bible is given by inspiration of God. The, the Ten Commandments are no more special. Uh, they're not above or elevated any other word of God. All Scripture is equally the word that comes out of the mouth of God and, and has equal dominion and authority and power and might. And, and all Scripture equally is glorious. But Ten Commandments, remember the number ten, points to completeness. And so the Ten Commandments, not eleven, not seven, but the Ten Commandments point to the complete commandments of God that the Bible is. It's as though those Ten Commandments represent the whole, the complete word of the Bible. And and so within the ark, and the ark typifies Christ, and the Ten Commandments typify Christ, because he is the Word made flesh. He is the embodiment of all the Bible. Uh, remember, uh, it's, it says a little further on in the book of Hebrews, I think in chapter 10, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, which is a quote from the Old Testament. And it's referring to the Lord Jesus in the volume of the book, in all the Bible. The things we read of have to do with Christ. They all are, um, are in essence, um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the ark containing the, the testimony, the Ten Commandments, has everything to do with Christ with eternal God. And the tabernacle is, is that special place where only the high priest was to enter into and only once a year because within the veil, within that Holy of Holies was a, a representation. This is the dwelling of God. This is where God would inhabit the temple and remember once the veil of that tabernacle was rent in twain, when the Lord Jesus hung on the cross, the Holy of Holies ceased to be holy, and the temple ceased to be God's holy temple, and Jerusalem ceased to be his holy city, and Israel, the Israelites ceased to be his holy people. And it all stemmed from that um illustration that God gave. This signals my dwelling. This indicates my presence in your midst. And and when the veil was rent, God no longer uh, was dwelling. That 
that sign was gone, that he dwelt amongst the Israelites. And so this inner chamber or this, um, well, let's see how it's put in, in Hebrews chapter 6. It says in uh, verse 18 that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that's picturing Christ who offered himself once from the foundation of the world by uh, being that sacrificial lamb whose blood, whose life was given. And and that's what the high priest um, yearly entering into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrificial animal sprinkling it upon the mercy seat because that's where the law of God, the Ten Commandments, was kept. And the law was condemning mankind, and it took the covering of the blood of Christ over the law in order to free and and to uh, give release, deliverance to all of God's people that were under the law and under the wrath of God as a result. But the the blood, that wonderful blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he shed from the foundation of the world, delivered all those people, all the elect from under the law. And so that's um, some of the picture. Now we're going to keep looking at this, Lord willing, in our next study, because God really um, ties some important truths to the seven messengers that come out of the temple and yet it is the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony, the temple in which the ark dwells. And we'll see, uh, hopefully, as we continue on, and we'll take a look back to the temple that the Lord had Solomon build, and the completion of that temple, and once completed, the ark was carried into the temple. And once the ark was brought into the temple, well, you know what? Then the priests came out of the temple. And we'll, we'll look at that, Lord willing, uh, in due time uh, as we continue on. It would, it would be uh, good to read Second Chronicles 4 and following and also in First Kings, uh, the information concerning the completion of the temple and the entry of the ark and then the priests of God that came out of the temple once the ark entered in. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.